0: Hi, I'm Carrie Boynton. And I'm Mike Sibley. We're the leaders of the James Moore Manufacturing Team. And on this episode of Moore on Manufacturing, we're joined by guest Heather Parps with Velocity Advisory Group. She's the Director of Transition Services. And today we're going to be actually talking about Transition planning and exit planning, particularly from the business owner's standpoint, and getting some input from Heather, who's not only lives in this arena right now with helping business owners, but also went through a transition herself with selling her own business years ago. So, we're going to get some really good input and some insight from Heather on this today, and uh, looking forward to this conversation. So, welcome, Heather, and uh, why don't you just start off maybe by telling us? What exactly is transition planning? How does it how does it work? Who who does it apply to?
1: Sure, Mike. Um, and thanks, Mike and Carrie, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so, transition planning really is looking at an exit planning uh, together. Really is looking at three legs of a stool. If you think of it that way, you've got. Um, The owner's personal readiness, like how how um, prepared are they to exit and move on to the next thing in their life? You've got the financial piece of that. How prepared are they financially? Are they set up to achieve their financial long term goals? And then you have the business side of that. Is the business ready for the transition? Is it sustainable post transition after that? that owner exit the or exits the organization. Um, can it continue on and, and be profitable? And does that value transfer across, you know, through the transition? So that's really what transition planning is about. It's about getting the owner to a place where they have a choice in when and how they exit.
0: Well, I think that's actually a, a good point, actually. Uh, could you just hit on that a little bit more? So I think the key thing is you said the owner has a choice. And that's opposed to sometimes where we get into a situation where They've aged, you know. They've got to a point where, in age, they have to a medical issue. But just, you know, maybe it's worth reiterating that. Reiterating that point, the owner has a choice in how this goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, often you'll get a, an owner who's just due to lack of preparation or. Um, unforeseen circumstances. Maybe maybe it's not even a lack of preparation, but maybe there's been something um, tragic that's happened in their, in their life, a disability or a divorce or something like that. And um, because they've been very focused on growing the business, maybe from a purely income perspective and haven't focused on the value side of the business, they need to make a transition and they're really stuck. They're not able to um, they might not be able to sell at all, and they have to shut the doors, or um, they're not able to um, rec- you know, get pull the value out of that organization when they really need it. So yeah, it is about getting them to a point where they, they have a choice at any stage of the game. I'm ready to exit, or I'm going to continue on, and in both of those scenarios, I'm fine.
0: So before we dive into what business owners should be doing or looking out for, what common mistakes do you see business owners making, or what should they avoid doing?
1: Well I think we we alluded to one which is a lack of runway. Um a lot of times they just wait till maybe they're burnt out or um they they're they're just they're just they haven't thought about when this is going to happen. So um not giving themselves 3 to 5 years to really make this um make this work. That's an, uh, one of the biggest things that we see. Um, and also just entering in with unrealistic expectations. You know, we we have a tendency to see more value in the things that we love, and mm-hmm. business owners and businesses are just the same. You know, you, you, you think you have more in it than you actually do. Um, so those are two. Not having the right advisors at the table. Um, I've seen several situations where um, instead of going to um, experts in the field that can really attest to the value of the organization, say they might go to their personal financial planner, who you know tries to be very helpful but might give them misleading information. Um, so I would say those are the three big things that I see. There's tons of others, you know, just planning from a reactive space as opposed to being proactive. Not having a plan at all um, is a big thing, and, and I'm not talking about just the plan for on the business side, I'm also talking about the personal plan. I think it's like, um, I want to say 75% of business owners one year after they sell their business are unhappy. And Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily because the deal was bad. That's because their identity was wrapped up in that business and now that's gone and they haven't thought through what's coming next. Right? So to avoid that, um, Really taking the time to plan out what your next the next phase of your life is going to look like after you go through this transition transition is really important. Um, so some of those are some of the biggest things I see.
0: Well, and, and as we're talking about this, a couple of things come to mind. First, you mentioned that emotional connection, and of course, that is one of the things that we try to maybe step away from. Is okay, let's put the emotions aside and let's look at truly the the, the business itself and how, how do we work on this how do we look at this how do we value this because that's going to be different and uh you know depending on how you're going but you know when we're talking about business transition it's not just you know selling to a third party it could be to family it could be to uh, an internal management group right so there's there's different avenues that this can go down
1: yeah and to your point selling to family that's um i think a lot of times um owners underestimate what's required in really prepping that successor to be successful in the new role. Um, And they may not necessarily choose that successor um, with a lot of thought about what the the future of the organization uh, needs to be. So they think like, in this moment, I'm the leader. I'm going to find somebody that's just like me. Mm -hmm. And then they don't think about, well, wait, actually the next phase of this organization is going to need something different. Um, so right. that's something that that we see tend to happen. So yeah, a lot of this is around preparing the successor, getting a really good transfer of knowledge from that business owner over to the successor, so that they can they can you know run you know take off running with all of that um, institutional knowledge in place. That's that's huge too. Yeah,
0: that's a, that's a great point. And of course, you know, I, I alluded to this at the beginning, but you sold a business. You've gone through this process. So I'm sure you've learned a ton now. I know you work with a number of clients going through this, so you've learned a lot that way too. But yeah. I mean, just from your own practical experience, being on the inside and going through this, maybe maybe talk to our, you know, our business owners out there about some of the things you experienced and things you might do a little differently or things that worked really well for you. I think, I think that kind of uh, message is really the story. It can be really valuable to our, to our listeners out there
1: yeah it was it was quite an experience i had no idea what i was doing um i had spent the last several years really learning how to grow the business how to manage the people how to you know build the team all of these sorts of things Um, but i had no idea what was involved in actually determining the value of of a company uh what the sale process was like so it was it was quite overwhelming and there was this pressure to keep it somewhat secretive because you didn't want to get you know want it to get out um, prematurely and have competitors know and that sort of thing. So um, it, was very, it was very confusing and um, a little bit scary initially.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was lucky enough to be able to pull in some really great advisors. Um, specifically for me, I was able to find somebody that um, was focused on my market um, or my, um, my uh, uh, type of business. So they knew my business model and that was really helpful. So a couple of things that I learned right away was that I, I I didn't know what I didn't know. There was just a ton out there. It was a complicated process, and I and I needed more information, and I needed some hand-holding. Um, I was uh, somewhat surprised at the level of um, emotions that it st- stirs up. You know, you've, Especially for me, I had a business partnership, and so we were navigating all of that as well. Um, so it was really an emotional experience for me. Um, and having and, and having people on my team, on my advisory team that I trusted to air my dirty laundry was important, right mm-hmm. And so and that's one thing that I think that um, a lot of people don't realize is you know if you think about the fact that you know business owners tend to have like 80% of their personal wealth tied up in their business.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: when you're going through a business sale, It's not just about the business. You've got to you know, you've got to dig up your personal finances and you've got to have people that you feel comfortable letting in to see all of that and sharing all of that with. So um, that was really eye opening for me. Um, And then just realizing that it was kind of neat because the advisor I was working with, um, we worked a plan to increase the value over a period of time and It was just neat to see that some of the things that he was telling me, hey, you need to do this, you need to implement this to increase the value. Well, it also increased just the efficiency of the operation. It made my job so much easier over time. Mm So it was cool to see that um, business readiness and exit
0: planning are really just good business strategy. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really really interesting way to look at it. And I I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But the things that can drive value in your business are also the things that can make you more profitable, more efficient, better employees, more uh, engaged employees, I guess. Is, is that a good way to kind of look at that?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, you know, you, you gain so much if you start earlier in the process because you're building a strong foundation and framework by focusing on those areas um, that just make it so much easier to scale and grow um, and then to pull that value out when you want
0: So are there
1: any value drivers that you think business owners should focus on first or prioritize? Um, I think that depends on the situation. Uh, There's, we definitely feel, so there's seven, we look at seven different value drivers, and we put ownership um, independence at the center. So if I was to say that there would be one most important, it's a stretch to say it would be definitely that one, but that's really the most critical because you can have all of the other uh, drivers running very well. You can have great financial health. You can have a great strategic growth plan. Um, you can have you know, the right wonderful leadership team in place. But if they're all dependent on that owner to really be um, driving the organization, when that owner steps out, whether that's for a sale or for some unforeseen circumstance, you know, like I said before, a death or a disability or something like that, the the organization's not going to be as sustainable as it could be. It could even fail. So I would say, uh, if I had to pick, if you forced my hand to pick one that's most important, I would say it's independence from the owner.
0: Well, and Heather, let's let's drill in on that because I know that's I'm I'm sure you must see this all the time. I know in our business we see where business owners have a hard time forget about preparing for a sale or pre- preparing for transition. They can't leave the business to even go on vacation in a, in a normal year without having to stay completely plugged in. Oftentimes that's because maybe the management team's not, not really at that level where they need to be or so on, but maybe talk a little bit more about owner independence beyond just transit, but just in the general day-to-day business of a of for that owner.
1: It's, it can be a huge stumbling block and a huge bottleneck for the organization. And I think a lot of times people don't, um, understand how they can be negatively impacting the organization in that way. I certainly was one of them. I would, um, you know, I was, I, I, I needed to get better at delegating and that was one thing that I learned through that process as well. So, um, it's, it's just critical and, and it's a shame because there's so much, like you leave so much money on the table, um, not just at the time of transition, but but just in general, you know, for the, the health of the organization, and it's it's stressful to the business owner. So there's so many advantages um, across the board for really creating teams that can be autonomous and have um, the ability to make decisions that are filtered through the lens of the the organization vision, mission, and values. Right. So teaching them how to use that model to make the decisions within the organization just frees the owner up to really focus on where their highest and best use is, um, to make critical business decisions. Uh, it's just it's just better across the board.
0: What are what are some you mentioned that one, so are there other are there one or two other value drivers you think are pretty critical in in this or or more, or maybe they all equally the say I know you meant put that one right at the top, but what yeah. do you think there's a couple others that, that you would highlight as as really important?
1: Yeah, we look at seven total. We look at financial health, you know, which um, you could probably speak to that better than I can. But uh, you know, having good cash flow, good, great accounts payable and receivable processes, having the business owner actually be able to understand their um, their financial statements and and make business healthy business decisions from that. So that's big. Uh, We look at strategic growth. Do does the organization have an understanding of um, what the market is asking for do their products and services fit that market um, do they have a plan for capturing market share that is is effective and working how is their marketing that sort of thing we look at infrastructure and infrastructure is yes it includes the uh, the equipment of the organization you know how is that you know, is it falling apart and out of date? Um, you know, do, do you need to upgrade it? But also, it's the IT infrastructure and the the platforms that the organization is using are those up to date and, and effective and efficient? And then the processes and policies are, that the organization runs on. So it's a lot of the operational piece. So we look at the infrastructure. We also look at leadership and people, um, and that's. This one, if I had to pick a second most important, this one would probably be it, because if you've got great leadership and you've got great people on your team, then they can be driving growth in all of these other areas, right? So they can be focused on how can we improve the infrastructure? How can we get better at our strategic growth plan? Um, So making sure you've got the right people on the bus. And this is all about not just um, acquisition, but managing and training those people. Like, do you have systems in place to make sure that they are getting the knowledge and tools that they need to continue to be moving the organization ahead. Um, Customer capital is a big one. Um, And that's not just so when we look at when I talk about customer capital, I'm really talking about the relationship that your clients have with you as an organization. Do they come back? do they? Do you have them on any kind of recurring? If if you know possible, do you have them on some kind of recurring revenue plan where you're they're kind of you know locked in with you and enmeshed with you? Um, do are they loyal? Uh, do you have any client evangelists that will speak to your you know quality mm-hmm. of service? Um, but then also client concentration. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times we get. The, you know, the the worst is when you have an over dependent owner who has. 80% of their revenue coming from, you know, uh, the top few clients, and it's mm-hmm. just it's just so hard. So, uh, making sure that you have diversity in your client concentration, and that you're if you lose one or two clients, or if one specific area of your business uh, is, let's say, think about the pandemic. Like if one specific area was really hit hard by, you know, COVID, are there other areas that you can can be leveraging in your client base? Mm-hmm. Um, so customer capital what am I missing? Intentional culture. Um, And this is a soft one. So people a lot of times kind of brush it off as not important, but there's plenty of research and I'm happy to email anyone that is in, that inquires. There's plenty of research out there that will point to um, a strong, healthy culture uh, directly impacting ROI. So are your employees engaged? Do they want to be there? Is there a good level of accountability on your team? Can people communicate openly and effectively? There's, I think, uh, I remember reading you employees em, employers lose something like 2 hours of producti- productivity per day with employees that are caught up in um, just emotional drama and inefficiencies and things like that. So that's a lot, you know. Yeah. No um, and course. a lot of those, yeah, a lot of those things can be addressed through um, creating just a healthy culture. So I think I think I gave you all seven, but those are theories well, that we
0: now- yeah, and, and and those make a lot of sense. And I think that's why, you know, getting somebody to talk to and go through this stuff is so important because it's easy to overlook some of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I guess out of all of those, uh, you can you can kind of tell some are obvious, some are not so obvious. And, and I think I know where you're going to go with this, but, you know, which one is the one that businesses overlook the most? I think <laughs> it kind of went there, but we'll let you, you know, just just to reiterate the point, because I do think it's important.
1: Well, I mean, I think they often overlook culture. Um, but but I, I would also position leadership and people in there. Um, just in general, the people side I think can can be overlooked because we're so focused on you know delivering the product or you know building the product or whatever and we, we miss the people side of it and that's really where you have the most potential. Um, to maximize value because, again, you, you can create an army of people that are out there all with the mm-hmm. same mission, all aligned. I mean, imagine how effective an organization can be mm-hmm. when everybody's aligned the, for the same goal. And at the same time, if you have a disengaged team that's you know, sucking up resources and not contributing in a way that they could be, um, you're just dragging the value of that organization down. So I would say uh, culture and leadership and people would be the two that receive the least amount
0: of focus and could generate
1: the most significant gains.
0: Sure. So you know, as we kind of wind down here in in our in our conversation, I really appreciate it. Is there is there any uh, last piece of advice or just a- as a summary for the everything we've just kind of gone through? Is there is there one last thing you would just suggest to our business owners out there that are uh, that are even maybe maybe haven't started thinking about this or just on the edge of start thinking about this what, what would be the one thing that you might you might tell them or give them a piece of advice uh as we as we kind of move towards the end here
1: um i think strong business readiness and exit planning is good business strategy so start as early as possible um, start focusing on those areas within the organization as as early as possible. Again, you need at least a three to five year runway to really get the value out of an organization that you want. But implementing those changes now is just going to increase the the effectiveness, the efficiency, and the value across the board. So starting early and building a strong team of qualified, quality advisors that you trust um, as soon as possible.
0: Well, great. Well, Heather, thank you so much today. And, and for a bit, Heather and, and Velocity they do a great job working with management and intentional culture and all the things that uh, Heather was talking about in terms of these internal management teams. Their group does a tremendous job with that. So your insight was really phenomenal today. I think that gives our listeners a lot to think about. So I appreciate you being here and I hope everyone out there has a uh, great rest of your day.
1: To learn more about James Moore and Company's manufacturing services, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our More on Manufacturing series to receive updates when new videos and podcasts are released. If you'd like to be a guest, or if there's a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, contact us on our website. You can also follow us on social media for more news as the landscape on manufacturing continues to
0: rapidly evolve.